super excited, man. I've been so pumped, guys. This um, um, this week, uh, we are in our 21, uh, Focus 21 uh, graduated Daniel fast. And we've been praying every morning at 6 a.m. via Zoom. And the men of this body have been leading us out in prayer. And I'm telling you, it's been, it's been a, a, a powerful experience for me. And I pray that, that you uh, connect with us. Even if you stopped and didn't come in uh, with us on the beginning, it ain't ever too late to start. Can I get a witness? And so our prayer and fasting has uh, it's transformed. We, we, we went without any sweets the first week. Amen? How, how did y'all do? All right. Uh, Friday morning, Moraria got up and cooked breakfast for me. And she had biscuits, uh, bacon, and eggs. And look at this picture right here. This, this, you know, I, this, I had some, uh, those biscuits right there. Y'all see that? That was on my plate Friday morning. And while I'm looking at those biscuits, now there's eggs and bacon there too, but while I'm looking at those biscuits, my mind all of a sudden, Scott went, went to Mayhaw Jelly. Any of y'all know what Mayhaw Jelly is? Man, all of a sudden, I had a craving sherry out of this world for that Mayhaw Jelly. And I tried to, tried to ask Moraria. I said, Moraria, I said, is, is that a sweet? <laughs> Come on now, y'all. Lou, we, Lou, we try to trick ourselves because our flesh doesn't want to submit. And that's the whole purpose of fasting and praying is to get the focus off of ourselves, our flesh, and what we want and put the focus on what God wants. So that wasn't the end of it because the next thing that popped in my mouth said, Mayhaw Jelly, well, maybe this next thing, some hungry jack syrup on my biscuits. How many of y'all ever sop syrup and biscuits? I need some country folk in the house. I mean, I mean, you don't eat you don't eat these biscuits with a fork, and you you get the hands and you. Man, that was on my mind. <laughs> but the Lord prevailed with the help of my wife. Sometimes we need help <laughs> along the way, but 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 I thank God, guys. Listen, I I I am. I don't know about anybody else, but I'm being refreshed. I'm being refined, and I thank God for my brothers, my brothers who led us in prayer this week. Amen. Uh, a powerful experience. Now, it's great. I know we got some prayer warriors for women, but there's something about when a man prays. There's something about when a man is leading his family spiritually. Man, there's life transformation takes place. And if, you, know, you can look at statistics that will tell you that when a man is saved, he has significant influence on the rest of his family. Can I get a witness? Where the rest of his family come to a, a point of faith in Christ. And so I'm thankful to, for, for the 21 day focus graduated Daniel fast. So this next week we'll be uh, 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 taking away bread out of our diet. Amen. So we can make it. Everybody say we can make it. Because guys, during the, you know, we're still in this global pandemic and churches and believers are being f- affected in in, in, in ways that are untold of. I mean, I think some of the things that are transpiring mentally, emotionally along the line, uh, or if we're not careful, will do damage to us as a believer if we're not focused, if we're not in the right place in God. As a matter of fact, I was reading this article, and it talked about six types of churches that have died during the pandemic. 
And I want y'all to listen to this real carefully because we don't want to become a church like this, either one of these. And, and I'm praying for churches that are experiencing whatever. But these six types of churches that have died during the pandemic, the first type was the age church. And this, this is for uh, churches who had a median age of the membership of 76. And in all the cases, they interviewed these churches. And in all the cases, they learned that the church had been a church of older members for some time. Now, I love our golden vessels. Can I get a witness? Uh, we just celebrated my mother-in-law's 90th birthday on yesterday. And 90 years old, and she looks good. I mean, she looks good. She's strong. She's vibrant. And she's moving along. Footsteps have gotten slow, but she's 90 years old. So, so, but again, I recognize that if we have everybody in the church 90 years old, unless the rapture terrorists, we ain't going to all be here on this earth. Amen? Can I get a witness? So they, they had uh, 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 elderly membership. Now listen to this part. In many cases, they essentially ran off younger members who would have brought changes to their congregations. And I, I want to, anybody listening to, to, to me today, you're part of a church that, that the average age is 75 or above, you better try to redirect how you're reaching younger families. Because these age churches have died out during the pandemic. They've been dying out even before the pandemic, but it was accelerated. The second type of church that died out is the fighting church. Everybody say fighting church. The deceased churches had numerous conflicts and often church splits. With each new conflict, the church declined. Guests stopped coming to the divided church. When the pandemic came, those who remained were too weary to keep the ministry of the church going. Churches that are fighting. God always got dissension and division amongst the people. Third type of church that died during the pandemic is the deferred maintenance church. These churches did not make wise decisions to keep the facilities in good condition. One church, listen to this, one church argued over choosing the contractor to install a new HVAC system uh, for several years. So they did nothing because they couldn't decide to choose who, who to choose to do the work. It says most of the churches simply refused to spend the fund. Not that they didn't have the money, just wouldn't spend it. Giving in the churches declined uh, dramatically in the pandemic, and the churches literally could not pay the bills to keep the building maintained. Listen, I thank God, and I know this is, this is a lot of churches' story, but I thank God that during the pandemic, not only did the, the, the giving in this church not decline, it accelerated to the highest level that it's ever been since I've been pastoring in 31 years. Don't you tell me what my God can't do. I just know what we trust in God for, what the expectation is. And I'm not saying that churches that have declined, that they're not moving with God, but I just know our story. The highest level of revenue that we've ever, got, God has ever allowed us to bring in came during the year of the pandemic. Can I get a witness? Then we have the, the fourth type of church that's died during the pandemic is the run the pastor off church. Y'all know we have some of those run the pastor off churches. These churches push their pastors out either through forced resignations or firings on a regular basis. Every two to four years, they fired and hired a pastor. Usually there was a power group in the church that did not want the pastor to leave. So that group concocted a reason to push the pastor out. Many of these churches could not find or afford a pastor during the pandemic. Listen to this next one. This is, this is one I, I, I want us to make sure that we focus on the neighborhood looks different church. I want y'all to listen to this right quick. The neighborhood changed, but the church didn't. 
All right. Those in the church look differently than those in the neighborhood. And when the pandemic came, the members stopped making the drive to the church because they didn't live in the church's community. COVID just exacerbated a trend that had been in process for years. Neighborhood changes. Church refuses to change and minister to those in the neighborhood. Church gets older. Nobody new comes in because they don't want those folks that don't look like them to come in that church. And it died out. And it was exacerbated during the pandemic. The last one, which again doesn't necessarily uh, hit us, but it's the infant church. These churches were relatively new and did not have many members or give us before the pandemic. And some of the churches were in leased spaces that would not let the church meet regularly. In all of these cases, the church had not reached sufficient maturation to survive the implications of COVID. So guys, we don't want to become any one of these churches. I know for a fact that we're not going to become a fighting church. We ain't going to fight around here. And EBC is not a run the pastor off type church. Do you guys not realize that within the last, let's see, let me do my math for it. Within the last 67 years, this church has only had two pastors in 67 years. So there's something that's to be said about that for the pew because y'all are not wanting to fight the, fight the pastor and run him off type church. As a matter of fact, I tell everybody, I, and I've experienced and met with a lot of different churches when I was in banking, financing churches. I got a chance to meet with pastors and church members. And, and I'm here to tell you, I know, and I talk to enough pastors to know that God is doing something unique in this body as it relates to church growth and church uh, uh, humility and church uh, family atmosphere. So we want to make sure that we keep going. And we, if we do see a church and we know somebody who belongs to one of those kind of churches, let's try to help them. I, my mission as a pastor is to help advance kingdom principles. And I, if I can help a church grow, if I can help a church learn how to do what we're doing, and, and we ain't nothing special, but, but we, we do what we do. Look at, look, look at your neighbor and say, say neighbor, we're going to make it do what it do. All right? And God is going to move in this church, and he's going to continue to move because we're going to keep the focus on him. Are y'all listening to me today? So, so, so guys, let's keep going forward. Let's get back to our text. We've been talking about growing into emotional maturity because this is a really a critical part of our walk as believers. Go with me to first Peter chapter number two, verse number one, and then we're going to go to Matthew 22, uh, verse number 37 through 40. Growing into emotional maturity. The sad reality is guys that we have a lot of people in our churches who I believe are truly saved and have accepted Christ into their heart, but they're not growing spiritually. Are you with me today? They're not growing spiritually. They're not growing into an emotionally mature adult. That's why you have fussing, fighting, and division in a lot of churches because somebody has not has allowed their emotional immaturity to affect their spiritual development and growth. It's impossible to be spiritually mature and at the same time emotionally immature. Can I get a witness? Now watch what Peter says here in the second chapter, verse number one, reading from the New Living Translation. Let's go. It says what? So get rid of all evil behavior. Check this out. He's talking to the church. Listen to me. He's writing this to the believers. He has to tell the believers, get rid of all evil behavior. Why would he have to say that? Because there was evil behavior being committed amongst those who are in the church. 
Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Be done with it. Boy, some of our political operatives need to hear this, don't we? Come on. Verse number two. It says what? Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. Now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Okay, let's go to Matthew 22. And we're going to look at verse number 37. Growing into emotional maturity. We begin sharing with you on this. And we talked about the fact that that we're going to have to practice uh, the spiritual distance of being in in the presence of people and, and learning to love people. Many, many, many of you sitting here uh, may, may be somewhat shy or reserved, may be a little bit timid, may be insecure in who you are to the point that you're not very comfortable connecting with people. But I'm going to tell you something. God wants to get you comfortable because he wants to use you. Yes, you. Yes, little old you. From the backwoods of South Louisiana, wherever you're from, from, from New York City, he wants to use you to advance kingdom principles. Watch what the text says here in Matthew 22, verse 37 through 40. Jesus replied, you must, remember they had asked him, what, what's the greatest commandment? You must love the Lord the God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Next verse says, this is the first and greatest commandment. Next he says, what? A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. As yourself. Next verse. The entire law. Everybody say all of it. Say all of it. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. If, if you want to close the book and never have to read it again, just do this. Love the Lord thy God with all the heart, mind, and soul and love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, and soul and love your neighbor as yourself. If you do that, you're going to be all right with God. But guys, I'm going to tell you something. It's impossible to do that without being empowered by God's Holy Spirit. How are you going to love somebody that's not you as much as you love you? It takes the power of God moving on the inside of us to help, help us get there. So, guys, we talked about uh, on last week, and I'm, I'm not going to review all this. I just want to just kind of bring us up to the point so we can keep moving, okay? We talked about Priscilla and Aquila, how they were a powerful team who utilized their house to, to help the Apostle Paul do the work of ministry. We talked about emotional maturity and conflict and how we got to, if we're going to handle conflict correctly, we got to be emotionally mature because if we're not emotionally mature, we're going to fall out with people in our church, Foot, don't even come to the church. We're going to fall out with people in our own family if we're not emotionally mature and we don't handle conflict the right way. We said that many, many people uh, end up being in, a, in an emotionally tore up state, uh, walking in false peace because uh, they ignore conflict. They rather not deal with it. And so they, they rather not bring up what they're really truly feeling and what their issue is. So they just pull back and say, I'll just, I'll just, I'm going to stay by myself. I ain't, I ain't going to cause no mess. I'm just going to get over my corner and pass. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to just pray. You ought to pray, but you got to learn how to deal with conflict because conflict helps get that underlying stuff out of the way in the church and in your families. Every, every husband and every wife uh, that's here that have been married for any prolonged period of time have had those moments where it's what's wrong, nothing. Any of y'all had one of those what's wrong, nothing moments? 
All right, y'all want to play me, huh? Oh, Pastor, we've been married 20 years, and, and the Lord is so good. Yeah, I've been married 35 years, and the Lord's been good. But Maria and I have had some of those, what's wrong? Nothing moments. And when, when that happens, you know, if you've been married to somebody long enough, you know, if you've been friends with somebody long enough, you know when something is not quite right. But then false peace says, I'll pull back. I won't say anything. I'm going to be quiet for peace sake. Find me somewhere in the Bible where it says be quiet for peace sake. Jesus came to disrupt some peace, didn't we? Didn't he? He, came, he came to bring truth because when you speak truth, people who are in error aren't going to like the truth that's being spoken. So it's going to happen. So, 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 so we talk about don't ignore conflict because that results in false peacemaking. We said embrace conflict and it's the path to true peace. Now, we want to become true peacemakers and many Christians underestimate the depth of our bad habits and what is needed to sustain long-term Christ-like change in our relationships. We want long-term, everybody say long-term, long-term Christ-like change in our relationships. The reason why many believers are reluctant to, to witness, reluctant to get connected and involved in the church because they don't know how to handle differences. They don't know how to have them conflict, so they'd much rather just stay away and, and, quote, be at peace by themselves or in their homes. But I'm here to tell you, God saved you to be a world changer. He saved you to impact people's lives, and we got to get going. I personally believe that time is winding up, and we got to get ourselves in a position where we can be used by God. So, so what are some tools to help us to follow Christ in becoming true, true peacemaker, not false peacemaker. Because I, I, if, if, I'm, if I'm a betting man, I'm willing to bet that many of you all in here today or, or viewing live stream are in false peace with somebody. In other words, there's, there's something that's underneath, something that you don't like or something, some issue that has not been resolved, but you've played it off as if everything is okay. Yeah, that coworker, that mother-in-law, huh? that father-in-law, that sister, that friend at school who posted something about you and you didn't like, but you, 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 you pretend like it was okay, but, and they laughed at you, but your feelings were hurt, but you wouldn't say anything about it and you, and you just made like it was okay. False peace. We don't want to be in a state of false peace. So what are some tools that can help us? We said, number one, speaking and listening. Communication is essential to all relationships, yet few people do it well. We got to learn how to be better communicators. Learn how to speak the truth in love. So Paul tells us uh, in the book of Ephesians, speak the truth in love. We, we covered that on last week. Number two, be respectful. Be respectful. Respect, hear me carefully, respect is not a feeling. It's how we treat another person. You may say, I felt disrespect, but really respect is, is how you treat somebody. Regardless of how we may feel about another person, they are made in God's image and have value and they have worth. Let's read that together. It says what? Regardless of how we may feel about another person, they are made in God's image and they have value and they have worth. God loves everybody. Everybody's not a part of his family because you got to be 
in Christ Jesus to be a part of God's family, but he loves everybody. As a matter of fact, he loved us so much. John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have what? Everlasting life. God loves you. Touch yourself and say, God loves me. I'm going to say, God loves me. Uh, y'all got, come on, let's say, say, God loves me. Listen, he loves us even when we're no good. He still loves us. Doesn't love what we do, but he loves us, guys. So, so regardless of how we may feel about another person, I don't, I don't care if they're a criminal, I don't care if they something crazy, they are made in God's image, and they have value, and they have worth. The moment you begin to dismiss a person's value and their worth and treat them as if they are nothing, then that's when you begin to do crazy stuff because you don't think that person has value and they have worth. Respect means that I give myself and others the right to space and privacy. In other words, respecting each other's needs. We, we learn this in our e- emotionally healthy spirituality course. This should be reviewed for, for those who connect it. And let me say, can I, can I park there just for a second and say this? Listen, if, why would you be a part of a ministry and not connect with the ministry's discipleship training model? I, I don't understand it. Why would you be a part of a ministry and not connect with the ministry when they are doing something corporately? Why, why, would, you, why would you do that? What? Well, I just, I just didn't feel lead. Feel lead? What you mean, feel lead? Can I? Anybody got some lead? A pencil lead or something? I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring a pencil lead to you. You can feel that lead, <laughs> baby. Let me tell you something. The Bible says Hebrews 13. Can, thank you, Holy Ghost. Hebrews 13. Can we go there right quick? I think I, I need y'all to hear this because why would you be a part of a ministry and not follow? the corporate direction of the ministry. Watch what it says in Hebrews 13. Uh, let's start at verse number 15. Hebrews 13, verse number 15. We'll go to the NLT on this. Hebrews 13, 15. Watch what it says. Y'all there? Let's read together. It says what? Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. As a matter of fact, Brother Jay, let's go back to the KJV. I like the way the KJV reads, amen? Watch what the text says here. And I know I'm I'm messing with you, Jay, but I thank you, brother. This this brother here is a a servant. I I, I sent him stuff at the last minute. I know I should. I got to get better. Everybody say, help the pastor. But Jason works with me, amen? He don't, he don't, he don't, he don't frown. He may frown when he's at home, but he don't frown. He smiles and just does it. And sometimes I put him in the jam, but he, he figures out a way to get it done. Amen. So thank, everybody said, thank God for Brother Jason Harden. Now watch for this. T- listen to what the Bible says. Because again, why would you be a part of a church and not connect with the spiritual direction of that corporate body that you're part of? By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God. What? Continually offering the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, how do we do that? The fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. What's the fruit of your lips? The words that you say. The fruit of your lips are the words you say. The fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. So I should be continually thanking God. Death in my family, I still thank God. Sickness in my body, I'm still going to thank God. 
I'm not, I'm not thinking necessarily for the sickness, but I'm thinking that I got a relationship with him and I know him as to be the divine healer and he can heal me on this side or he may heal me on the other side. But I know that my redeemer lives and I know that by his stripes I'm healed and I trust that he will make a way somehow. So I'm going to thank him. Amen. Watch what the next verse says. Watch this. But to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Do good and to communicate. That word, communicate, the root word means to share, to give, to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Now watch this next verse. Listen, I'm not making this up. It's in the word. And I'm not just saying this because I'm the pastor of the church. Look at what the scripture says. Obey them that have what? The rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account as your pastor, as your pastoral leader. I got to give an account to God for what I tell you. I got to give account to God for the direction of ministry here. He says, obey them. Would y'all look at your text? What does it does it say anything different in the NLT? It says obey them to have the rule over you. I, I'm not saying this as a narcissistic type person who, who wants to, I'm in charge. No, that's not what he's talking about. He says, respect spiritual leadership. When you when you when you when you're uh, when you're walking with God and when you understand that God is a God of order, he does things decent in order, then we we have to walk under the authority of the person who we're up under. That includes at work. That includes when you're playing sports. If the if the coach says, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna run," uh, we're gonna uh, I tell you, we, we have we have um, uh, it's about 50 seconds left in the game, and uh, we got this game wrapped up, and we want you to uh, take a knee. And maybe you hadn't played all game, but you came in, and 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 you know how it happens. You know, they pull the starting quarterback out. And then they put in a guy who hadn't played very much. And the coach says, take a knee. But the guy decides, I ain't played very much. And I'm going to take a ch- I'm going to get my chance. So rather than taking a knee, he calls a different play and drops back and throws the interception. The other team intercepts and takes it back and run and, and win a touchdown because he wouldn't submit to the authority of the coach. That happens, guys. Not maybe, maybe not in that dramatic fashion, but it happens where a kid on the basketball court doesn't run the play that the coach told him. That's out of order. Because that coach is, a, is the one in authority, so that player has to follow his leading. Can I get a witness? That teacher is in authority in the classroom. As long as that teacher is doing what they're supposed to do and they're signed a uh, 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 lesson plan that's been approved by the school district, then the parent can't come in and tell the teacher how to teach. Can I get five witnesses out there? All you that try to tell the teacher how to teach? Now again, I'm assuming you got a good teacher, but 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 it's not it's not my it's not my job because I, I remember this very vividly. Um, uh, this is when I, I don't know this. It may have been uh, Doyle Junior was in in middle school, uh, and they were coming out with some kind of math where they didn't send a book home. Now all of us, how many of y'all grew up when you had a math book and you brought your math book home and you did homework? Anybody in the old school? Well, this teacher that told us as parents uh, that, that they're not going to send any, any books home. And Mararia wanted a book. She says, I'm a, I want a book because I want to be able to go over problems with my son. And, and, and she called the teacher 
emailed and told her that she wanted a book. The teacher said, well, I can send you a book, but that ain't what our lesson is coming out of. So she would have a book, but they had changed the way they were doing it. And I, we didn't necessarily agree with it, but, but as long as he was there and in that class, he had to do it the way the teacher said do it because he was under her authority in that class. Can I get a witness? All right, so, so, so it says, obey them to have rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they, they must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you. It's not profitable for you to give your pastoral leadership or anybody who you are under their authority, give them grief. That includes your manager or your supervisor at work. Hello, saints. Christians should be the best workers in the place of employment. Let me come to this side. Christians should be the best workers in the place of an employment because you understand what the scripture says. Obey them who have the rule and authority over you. Now, this is, that's, that's on the, on the, on the, on the second level, but on a spiritual level, church members and Christians should obey those who have the rule and authority over them for their watch for your soul. Don't give them grief. Don't give your pastor grief. So, so whenever, whenever we as a, a corporate body says we're going to declare our corporate fast, why is it that you say, well, I, 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 yeah, okay, that ain't for me. That ain't for you. Aren't you a part of the corporate body? And maybe you can't because of health reasons. If it's health reasons or issues that you, 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 you may not can't do the fast the way it was prescribed, well, you can fast from something else. See, God, it's not about how much you didn't eat and how much you did eat because God is more concerned about your heart. Are y'all with me? So because you, you actually can get into a little bit of pride with your fasting. Well, I fasted for 40 days. I ain't drinking nothing but water. Look at me. I'm just like Jesus. He fasted four days and four nights in the wilderness. And look at me. Y'all can't do what I do because I'm more spiritual. You, your pride for self, shut up. You can get into pride with spiritual things. You do know that, right? So it's not about, you know, how long you went, but it's about submission and understanding that God is trying to do something in this corporate body and you're a part of the corporate body, why would you not obey those who have the rule and authority over you and submit yourselves? I'm just asking the question because I didn't make this up. This was in him before I became a pastor. Y'all know that, right? So listen, listen, I'm not being narcissistic. I I, I, I told y'all this freed me a long time ago as a pastor. When I understood, Brother Laws, that grown folk would do what grown folk want to do. And if grown folks don't want to fast, if they don't want to connect with the Bible teaching and the discipleship training, they'll, they'll find a way not to do it. So why should I stay up uh, at night? Oh, they won't, they won't participate. You're hurting yourself. As you pass out, I, 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 I grieve for you, but I learned not to stay up at night worrying about that because Whenever you make up in your mind, you'll come. Y'all have heard somebody say this when, whenever they were maybe in a relationship that with somebody who, who was not doing what they're supposed to do, and everybody knew that they were that person wasn't good for them, and 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 they they would make this statement: When you get tired of it, you'll stop. When you get tired of that, when 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 God, if you belong to Him, when He has to take you through the wall, journeying through the wall, y'all remember an emotion at the spirituality, journeying through that wall. To get you where you need to be, then you'll get you get in line. So I, I I just turn you over to the Lord, 
And that frees me as your pastor. I love you, but I ain't trying to make you do nothing. Are y'all with me? I'm just going to love you, keep preaching the hell out of you. The hell out of you. Okay, all right. Y'all with me? Ooh, what did he just say? What did he just say? I said, I'm going to keep on preaching the hell out of you. If you have some hell in you, I'm going to preach it out of you by the word of God. All right, all right. Can we keep moving? All right, let's get back. Let's get back. All right, so, so watch it. So respect means that I give myself and others the right to space and private respect and others. I, I, give, I, give, I give you the right to be different. I give you the right to disagree, uh, to be heard, to be taken seriously. We learn all this, to be given the benefit of the doubt. Amen. You know, you know so many times, guys, we, we assume stuff about people that's not true. And we'll talk about it in just a second. Uh, I give myself and, and, and you the right to, to, be, to, to be told the truth, to be consulted, to, to, to be imperfect and make mistakes. Because so, we, all, we, all, we all, if we're honest about it, don't do everything the right way all the time. The Bible says we need to make allowances for each other's faults. Make allowances for each other's faults. Because there's going to come a time, guys, when if you're in relationship with anybody for a, a, a period of time, that's going to be some kind of conflict, some kind of disagreement. And I, I'm one who believes that, that you don't really know how strong your relationship is until you have disagreement. Then you find out. Because the Bible says a friend loves it at all times. The Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. So, uh, so I get right to be consulted, to be imperfect and make mistakes, to be courteous and honorable treatment, and to be respected, taking another's feelings into, into account. As, we, as I deal with you. So, so be respectful. Everybody say be respectful. It doesn't cost you anything to be respectful. That's what's so disheartening to me, guys, when I look at the political landscape. And I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about Christians who serve in the role as a politician. That's what, that's what bugs the fire to me. When a person who said they are a believer won't respect another person, even to the point to be able to talk with them and to treat them respectfully. I may not agree with you, but I'm not going to dog you out. I'm going to treat you with respect, and I'm going to value you because you are a person of worth that God created his image like. And, and so that, what's, what's, what's poisonous about that is, is that when leadership acts that way, it seeps down into society. If, that's, we're talking about governmental leaders right now. But it, the same thing happens in the church. If you get a church... That, that has uh, 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 a leadership or, 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 or a atmosphere that's so judgmental, uh, like the Pharisees, who didn't want to deal with people. You remember we started this, series, this message part out? We said that Jesus, Jesus took time to, to spend with those who were considered to be sinners, low lives, tax collectors, drunkards. Jesus went, sat down and ate with them, but the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the religious hierarchy gave him a hard time because he ate with sinners. My question to you is, what are we supposed to be doing then? If God, if God saved us to reach others, then we got to be out there reaching others, amen, with the gospel message. So be respectful. We're talking about tools to help us becoming true peacemakers. Speaking and listening. You can't listen and talk at the same time. How many of y'all are bad about cutting people off when they're talking? 
Listen to me. How many of you are bad about jumping in before the other person finishes? I used to have that problem. Why y'all got quiet? <laughs> I said I used to have that problem with my wife. Because, Dan, I, I, I figured you know, I, I need to, to, to jump in and say what I had to say before she said what she said to say. Because I just heard what she said. What she said was wrong, so I got to correct it while I was, I, I just, it, it, it was like it was just something in me that had to just, 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 wait a minute, let me tell you this. Rather than listening empathetically to what she had to say so I can process it, and let me tell you something, you cannot listen effectively while you're sitting there trying to figure out what you're going to say to combat what she just told you. That's not listening. That's just gearing up to, to shoot your bullets. So I had to work on, and, I, and, and I'll be honest with you, I still, if, if I'm not careful from time to time, I'll, I'll revert back to jumping in and not letting her finish. How many of y'all have had problems with cutting people off while they're talking? Let me see your hand. Come on, come on. All right. Say, th- say, 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 Lord, help me please. All right. So speaking and listening, we got to learn how to listen empathetically. So we got to respect we got to stop mind reading. Go to Proverbs 18 and 13. How many of y'all like to mind read? Oh, yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what that look meant. You know what that look meant? Do you really? Did you ask him? No, but I know. She looked at me like I had something on me. She looked at me like she didn't like. I don't, I don't like her because she don't like me. How do you know she you know, y'all, y'all don't? Y'all don't even talk. How do you know she doesn't like you? And this happens with our, with our youngsters in school. How many of y'all in middle school, high school? Let me see. Middle school, high schools. Okay. Middle school and high schools. Do do y'all have challenges with friends? Fellow students? Do y'all ever, do y'all ever, do y'all ever have beef? Y'all know what beef means? I'm not talking about hamburger patty, okay? (laughs) You ever have beef with, beef means you got a, you got a disagreement. There's some stuff going on. You don't like that group and this group don't like that group. Guys, listen. Sometimes that stuff happens because we make assumptions. Look at what the text says in Proverbs 18. Watch this. So, so, so stop mind reading. Proverbs 18 and 13 says, spouting off, spouting off before listening to the facts. Here we go. Spout, can y'all read with me? Let's read. Spouting off before listening to the facts is, is both shameful and it's foolish. Now y'all take that and y'all need to meditate on that all week long while you're fasting and praying. Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and it's foolish. Every time I'm making an assumption about someone who has hurt or disappointed me without confirming it, I believe a lie about this person in my head. Because sometimes I'm convinced because this happened to me. Sometimes... (laughs) You don't even know why the person is mad at you uh, and, and, and stops speaking to you. Now that's, that, isn't that childish? How many of y'all have made your mind when you come to church you're not going to speak to certain people? I know you're not going to raise your hand and admit it today. But guys, listen to me carefully. That kind of mindset goes on in the church. And God says, I got to get you to a place of emotional maturity so that's not permeating throughout the church body because God needs mature saints who are willing to move and go with him. Are y'all with me? 
Uh, this, uh, you know, this assumption is a misrepresentation of reality, guys, because I've not checked it out with the other person. It's very possible I'm believing something that's untrue. And it's, if you're in relationship with somebody, I'm talking about parent, child, husband, wife, coworker, church member, church member. Sometimes we make these assumptions about people we don't when we haven't really sat down and had a conversation with them. Okay, so stop mind reading. Um, look, Matthew the twenty chapter. Go there right quick. Come on, I got to move. As, as a matter of fact, I'm not even going to go there. Just write it down, Matthew, the 20th chapter, verse 1 through 16. Y'all remember the story, uh, the parable that Jesus told about uh, those guys that had been working uh, uh, out? It, uh, this, 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 uh, this business owner hired some guys to work, and they agreed to work for a certain wage. Y'all remember that? And they started in the morning working. But he hired some other guys in the middle of the day or in the afternoon and paid them a, a certain wage based off of their agreement. I, uh, go, go to Matthew 20 with me right there. I, I, I got I to share this with you. Y'all remember that? All right. And so the ones who started working in the morning got, the one who started working in the afternoon got paid the same or even maybe even more than the ones who started in the morning. But the ones in the morning agreed to work for this amount. But when they saw these other guys come in and got paid a different amount, where maybe it was more, they assumed that they will get paid more too because they were working longer. But the, but, the, but the owner told them, listen, didn't we not agree to this? Matthew, the 20th chapter. Look at verse number 10 with me right quick. Let's go, go to verse number 10. When those hired first came to get their pay, the ones who started in the morning, they assume, everybody say they assume. Say nobody told them. Say, say, with me. say nobody told them. They assume they would receive more. Why? But they too were paid a day's wage. They assume they would receive more because the ones who came in the afternoon got paid the same wage. They figure, well, we've been out here longer than they have. But watch, watch what, the, watch what the, the owner says. When they receive their pay, they protested to the owner. Look at what they said. Watch this. Those people worked only one hour, and yet you paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat. Stop right here. How many of y'all would have been in this number? I, I, need, I, need, I need some hands. How many of y'all would have been mad that the person who worked one hour got paid the same amount of money that you got paid and you worked all day? Let me see your hands. Come on. I probably would have been mad too. But what did you agree to work for? What you agreed to work for is irrelevant to what they agreed to work for. Watch this. <laughs> Those people worked only one hour, and yet you paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat. Watch the next verse. He answered one of them, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Watch this. Next verse. Take your money and go. Here, get on out of here. Take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. Watch this. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? So those who are last now will be first then. This is Jesus talking. And those who are first will be last. Wow. Assumption, assumptions. 
Guys, I'm going to tell you, we've got to stop assuming in the relationship building process. Clarify expectations. Let's get back to this, this last one. Well, next to the last one, clarify expectations. I've got to move on this, guys, because I've got to finish this today. Tools to help us follow Christ and become in truth. We've got to clarify expectations. Y'all remember when we went over this? We said unmet and unclear expectations create problems in our relationships. Expectations are only valid when they have been mutually agreed upon. And in order for expectations to be established, they must first be conscious. Everybody say conscious. In other words, I have to become aware of the expectations I have for the other person. I got to be aware of it. Number two, I got to be realistic. In other words, I have to ask myself if my expectations regarding the other persons are, re- person are really irrealistic. Number three, it's got to be spoken. See, some of y'all may assume that your, that your right of passage when you get 16 is that mom and dad is going to buy me a car. Anybody in the house? Anybody assume that? You made that assumption? Well, where's my car? I just turned 16. I got my license. Did they tell you that? All right. We assume that was a right of passage to get our license. We get our own car. I thank God. Uh, when I was growing up, my dad was a, was a mechanic and body, he did body work on cars. He would he would buy wrecked cars and fix them up. And 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 I got my I, when I got my first car before I got my driver's license. I think I was driving to school, Kenny. When it I, it wasn't legal, <laughs> but I was just going from here. Yeah, yeah that's the excuse, right? You're not supposed to drive if you don't have a driver's license. But I was driving. Any of y'all ever drove? Come on, let me see hands of those who drove without a driver's license. Come on, by yourself. Yeah, yeah. Repent right now. Repent. Come on, say, Jesus, forgive me. All right. That was against the law, right? All right, so, so spoken. I have to speak my expectations clearly, directly, and respectfully to the other person. Speak, and, and I, it has to be agreed upon. If, if, if it's an expectation, I have to clarify, I got, it's got to be agreed upon. In order for my expectation to be valid, the other person must be aware of and agree to them Otherwise, it's simply a hope. Now, guys, this is really important, clarifying expectations. Many times in relationships, they go sour because people have expectations that were never spoken, that were never consciously weighed out in their mind, that was not agreed upon. Hello? That man in that past has never agreed to pay those guys more because he paid the ones who came and worked one hour the same wage as them. That wasn't their agreement. They agreed to work all day for a certain wage. Watch out for unmet expectations that come as a result of you not clarifying what you expect. Let me, let me give you a, a one a, a scripture here. Uh, Second Kings, the fifth chapter. Let's go there right quick. And y'all, have y'all ever heard of a guy by the name of Naaman? This, this story, uh, this biblical story, uh, it's, it's one that... That I, I, I think it says a lot about human nature, and I want y'all to just walk with me just for a second, I, and, and we're going to let you get out of here. Second Kings chapter number five, and we're going to begin our reading at verse number one. Watch this. We're talking about, guys, clarifying expectations. Here we're going to see a guy who the Bible says was struck with leprosy. Watch the text says, the king of Aaron had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given Aram great victories. 
But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. Now, leprosy was a very debilitating disease. It, it's, it was a skin disease that, that started from the inside and worked its way to the outside. As a matter of fact, when you look in scripture, leprosy was also oftentimes used to depict what sin is. Okay, Because leprosy has a way of spreading. And sin has a way of spreading. A little sin is like leaven. And a little sin will, will it's like leprosy. It'll spread throughout the whole body. That's why we have to deal with our junk. We got to learn how to deal with our mess so that it doesn't spread throughout our entire body and affect what we do as a born-again believer. So this guy had leprosy. And guys, one of the things that would happen uh, is as a leper, uh, whenever uh, you were diagnosed with leprosy, you would have to put a black hood over your head and then you have to cover your face and they would, you have to live outside the city walls. And if you came in contact with anybody, you would have to holler out, unclean, unclean. Yeah, that's what, that's what you had to do. Now, because they did not want to come in contact with a leper. As a matter of fact, they had leper colonies where they would live outside the city limits, guys. And so here we have Naaman. Now, here's the thing about this, this, this story here. Naaman was a man of great respect. The Bible said he was a mighty warrior, but he suffered from leprosy, this debilitating disease that would oftentimes uh, progress to a state to where tendons would begin to, you know, just get all tightened up and his hands would crimp like this and, and to the point to where lint, uh, 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 fingers and stuff would start to fall off. I mean, sores all over the body. It was not something to play with. It was something that, that, that really was, 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 was not good to have. And so uh, the text says in the next verse, watch this, read what it says. At this time, our... our, our Aramean writers had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captain was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. Text says this, one day the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He will heal him of his leprosy. Now here this girl is, uh, 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 is an Israeli captive who's in a foreign land, sees this man, this noble man who has leprosy, and 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 apparently it had not progressed to the point to where it, it was all over his body outside, but he knew it was eventually going to happen. So when, it, when she found out about it, she says, I know a man. Everybody say, she knew a man. Watch what the text says. Let's go. Next verse. Let's Come on. So Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said. Text says, go and visit the prophet. The king of Aram told him, I will send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out carrying his gifts 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. Text says, the letter to the king of Israel said, with this letter, I present my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of his leprosy. Now watch this. The king had no ability to do anything. And watch, the king is thinking that, that, that he's being picked on by, uh, by this man, this other king, because he, he knew he couldn't do this, and he knew that he, in his mind he thought that the king was trying to set him up. But watch what the text says. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, this man sends me a leper to heal. Am I God that I can give life and take it away? I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. 
But watch the text, y'all. But when Elisha, the man of God, everybody said the man of God was in the house. Watch this. When, when Elisha heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay, he sent this message to him. Why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me and he will learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. He will learn that what? There's a what? Come on, y'all. He will learn what? That there's a true prophet here in Israel. Okay? Now watch this, guys. Uh, The next verse says what? Uh, So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha. Talking about clarifying expectation. Now, again, we're talking about expectation as it relates to our relationship. But watch this, guys. He's, He's coming to Elisha now. And he has certain expectations. He says, but Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this, mess, with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. The man of God gives him instruction. Guys, I'm going to tell you something. When God gives you instruction through your man or woman of God, when God gives you instruction through your teacher, when God gives you instructor, instruction through the one who he's placed in your life to be in relationship with you, the, the praying person, the, pray, the person who's hearing from God, learn how to follow direction to the T. Brother Scott is here, and, and, as, a, and as a physician, uh, uh, he, he knows that sometimes he has patients that are considered to be non-compliant. In other words, they won't do <clears throat> what he tells them to do as it relates to dietary restrictions, exercise, or stop doing certain things. And then they come back the next year and it's the same ailments they're having because they wouldn't do what he told them to do. What his medical training said, if they would do this, in all likelihood, you rid yourself of that problem. And many of y'all are like that spiritually. You come to the church, and I'm so, I'm so like your spiritual doctor, as your pastor. God said, I'm going to give you pastors after my own heart who will feed you with wisdom and knowledge from high. But you come, you listen, and you go and don't do. And wonder why the problem still exists. Watch this, guys. He sent a message, said, go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. I'm talking about expectations, clarifying it. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. Watch what happened. But Naaman became what? He got mad. And he walked away. Foot. I thought, everybody say stop thinking. Stop thinking and start being Obedient. Everything that God tells you in his word is from God. If you rightly divide it, properly exegete the text so you can have common modern day hermeneutical application. That's just a fancy word for doing what we need to do with the word in today's environment, okay? Just start doing what the word said. You don't even have to understand everything, but just do it. I don't understand why certain foods make your body do certain things. But, but if it does and it's good for me, I want to do it. I want to eat my vegetables, right? But Naaman became angry and stalked away. I thought he, his here, here expectations that he had that were, that were not realistic. They were not agreed upon. Naaman, I mean, uh, Elisha never told him that that's what I'm going to do. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord, his God, and heal me. He had his whole, he had this whole thing already laid out. And that's what we think sometimes with God. God, you got to work this way. 
I want you to do it the way I want it. And God, he knows us with our little prideful selves. And so he has to take us through the wall to get us to see him and to trust his word. Watch this. He walks with the next verse. Aren't the rivers of Damascus? He, he, he's, listen to his little prideful self. He's come to the man of God and trying to tell the man of God how to heal him. That's what some of y'all do when you go to your doctor. Try to tell the doctor how to treat you. Anybody ever did it before? How many of y'all are internet doctors? Google it. And trying to treat yourself through Google. You, you, you know what? Everybody say, get free. All right. Uh, the, he says, we, we got better rivers than this Jordan River here. Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in rage. Now watch. Thank God he has some people in relationship with him who were not afraid to tell him the truth about himself. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So, 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 so you should certainly obey him when he says simply go and watch and be cured. Next verse says what? So Naaman went down to the Jordan River. Now stop right here. You need somebody in your life who, who when they see you doing foolish stuff, they're able to come to you and talk to you. You need somebody in your life who can speak the truth to you in love. And that's what these guys did with Naaman. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him to. He could have been healed sooner. But for his pride, and his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. The guy had expectations that had not been agreed upon, that were not spoken. He just thought in his mind. And when you're in relationship with people, guys, learn how to clarify expectations. What do we say? They should ex- good expectations should be conscious. They should be realistic. They should be spoken, and they should be agreed upon. Now my time is up, guys, but I want to tell you, we got to grow. Lastly, we talked about emotional allergies. An emotional allergy is an intense reaction to to something in the present that reminds us, consciously or unconsciously of an event from our past. Recognize the emotional allergies. Sometimes we're not in good relationship with people because we're dealing with something from our past relationship. You're still hurting from the past relationship and you're carrying that over into the new relationship. Some of you had church hurt over here and you, you deal with people over here in the new church based off of the church hurt you had over there. Learn how to, to move beyond that with the Lord's help. Guys, we got to grow into emotional maturity. Too many of us in our churches are not spiritually mature because we are emotionally unhealthy. Everybody say, let's grow. Everybody say, let's grow. Every head, every body, every, every head, body, body, close. Father, we thank you.